a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shalaos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. Taking your calls at 801-575-8255 and your text questions at 57500. Marilyn is on the line in Provo. And good morning, Marilyn. What was your question? Um, I moved into a home in Provo last fall that had uh, some beautiful roses in front, but they weren't beautiful. They were out of control. It's they were growing into each other and uh, obviously hadn't been uh, trimmed for years. And so uh, this spring, I cut them way down to the wood, practically. You taught and them a lesson. I did. <laughs> and now they've got great big, you know, the main bushy part of the um, rose is fine, They but They've got great big, tall, about three foot, two and a half to three foot big stems that are growing way high above the regular bushy part. What caused that and what do I do about it? Well, when Uh, you observed them last year, did they bloom only once or did they they bloom through the entire summer? Well, I, I moved into this home in September. And they were blooming a little then in September, okay. but I wasn't there through. I wasn't here through any summer yet. Okay, so these roses, and this goes for any shrub, but when they get cut down to the nubbins, it sometimes makes them a little cranky, and they don't want to produce flowers for a year or two, and so it could be that these roses, when you cut them back, are coming back healthy, but they aren't really too thrilled about blooming. And on a more scientific level, it could be that the wood that they're producing isn't going to until probably next year. And so what you might be able to do is let them grow, but sometime in the next few weeks just selectively take some of those branches out, you know, just here and there, to keep them under control, and then next year prune them down to about, you know, between knee and thigh height and see if you get blooms next year. But you're getting blooms, aren't you? You just are seeing stalks that are taller. Yes. Oh, I was confused. I thought you weren't getting flowers. I apologize. No, she's getting flowers. Isn't it normal, though, for the stalks to be taller when they're They are. Mine all come out taller. Yes, they will, and I apologize, and I'll take some of that back. The thing that you're probably seeing is that if they are huge roses and you've cut that top growth off, the roots have the capacity to support a great big plant because the root system has to be able to do that. And when there's not a lot of plant on top of the rose, not a lot of top growth, they try to regenerate it because they've got all this pent up energy that they're trying to force all these new blossoms. And so I think that's just a response to being cut back so hard. 
And Marilyn, I think you're trying to do what I try to do and make everything look uniform, but plants just are not uniform no matter what you do. They will just sprout the longer branches, and then I just clip them back after they bloom, you know, try to make them more uniform. (laughs) Okay, well, the big tall ones haven't bloomed, but the regular part of the bottom part uh, are blooming. Yeah. These so, are just great big branches that reach out way, yeah. way high. Are they so, coming up from the root system instead of above ground parts? No, they're coming up from the regular okay. rose bush. They're probably they're, just juvenile growth. Keep them clipped a little bit and in check, but allow the rose to have foliage on there so they can come back. And then prune everything next year. So you have three or four main canes at about uh, waist height, maybe just a bit taller. Okay, I may have clipped them wrong. So No, and that's fine. If they needed to be kept in check, you know, doing that sometimes is needed. And then you can move forward with more moderate pruning. Okay, appreciate your help. All right, Marilyn, thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, next listener says, Tom, that they have a 20-year-old Norwegian maple. They think it's Norwegian uh, that they love, but just discovered some dark oozing out of a couple of the branches, and they're wondering what they should do. What might that be, and what should they do? It could be a n- number of things. It could be a fungal disease in the branch that's causing the oozing, or it could be a borer. And that's B-O-R-E-R. It's kind of hard to hear over the radio a little bit sometimes, but a borer will get in there and a tree will try to drown it out by causing excessive sap flow from where they're feeding to try to drown it or at least drive it out of the tree. But I would check both of those. Uh, There's a small possibility it's winter damage that is expressing itself now, but I would bet that it's a wood boring insect or maybe a fungal disease. All right. Next listener says, what's the difference between humate and morganite? And do you apply morganite in the summer and humate in the spring and fall? They're question marks. Well, it's probably milorganite. And milorganite is a fertilizer that's manufactured pretty much from human waste. It's processed and safe. And its original use was was for golf courses to put on their putting greens to melt the snow off because the bent grass that we use for putting greens is horrendously susceptible to uh, snow mold. And so it was used to melt that snow off because of the dark color. And then it would give that grass some fertilizer, but homeowners will use it as kind of an organic reduced risk fertilizer. So milorganite will eventually break down into humate and the humate is just a broken down form of organic matter that's not quite coal. And so it's just in that process where you can, there's actually humate mines that will take this and they'll pelletize it or put it into a liquid. And what it does is it will temporary, temporarily help build the nutrient holding capacity of soil. So Nutrients are a little more available. Mm-hmm. It may help temporarily with water penetration into the soil. So USU, some of the horticulturists, you know, Jerry Goodspeed will recommend it to help break down a thatch layer. But otherwise, humates, they're not miracle products. You know, they're not going to cure any diseases. 
And if you're seeing your lawn green up after you apply a Humate, sometimes they're bundled with a little bit of nitrogen, but it shows that your lawn is very nutrient-starved. And so if I've got money to spend on Humates or money to spend on fertilizer, I'm usually going to buy fertilizer. But if they were going to use it spring or fall, or does it even matter? It doesn't matter, really. It it doesn't matter. Okay. Next listener says they bought a 10-gallon potted dwarf Alberta spruce. They got delayed in planting it. Uh, should they wait till fall to plant it or plant it now? I would plant it now. I mean, landscapers are planting all summer long and the plants survive just fine as long as they're watered correctly. But you're always better off having a plant in the ground than in a container. Uh, next listener says, are you supposed to prune out the water sprouts from fruit trees all season long or just during the initial prune for each season? Well, you can do a water sprout prune usually a little earlier in the summer when the water sprouts are six inches long or so. Mm -hmm. You can just go in with some little snips or your fingernail and clip them out. And you don't want to do every one. You know, you can leave, you know, 20% or so just in areas that you might need some growth that will eventually generate more fruit especially apples, if that's what we're talking about. Because if you clip all of them out, eventually you may run out of fruiting wood. And so we need a few of those suckers in the tree to help just keep regenerating fruiting wood. And sometimes the leaves that they produce give the tree some extra energy from photosynthesis that will go down into the base. And so don't prune them all out, but pr do prune the majority. Uh, next person says, can you put down a weed and feed this time of year for broadleaf in your lawn? Nope. It's too hot. We missed that window. Um, next person says, what's the best time to replant a small black lace elderberry bush? It depends on how long it's been in the ground. If it's only been in the ground a year or less, they can just dig it up and move it and it should be okay. You know, there's never guarantees with this sort of thing, but if it's been, been in the ground three or four years, they're going to need to wait for late fall or early spring to move it. Okay. We're going to take a break. A number to call with your questions, and the phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you, taking your calls at 801-575-8255 and your text questions at 57500. Uh, next listener wants to talk about what you recommend for treating grasshoppers, but I know we're going to spend a lot of time in the next hour doing that. Yes, we have a special guest coming in, Lyndon Greenhalch. So we will get to that next hour, and we'll talk about why they're so bad in rangeland right now and in rural areas and even some cities. And then we'll get down more on how to kind of control them, at least in your yard. 
All right. So the next listener says their basil is very pale. They think it was overwatered for a few weeks when they first planted it, and they've adjusted the watering. They're wondering if it will recover. I would fertilize it with some maybe Osmocote Mm -hmm. or a similar fertilizer. Sometimes the liquids, because they're a maintenance feed, won't green up plants like this, but a stronger dose of nitrogen will. And so I would give it a good dose of a complete, like, Osmocote with micronutrients and see if that will bring it back. Uh, next listener says they have a miniature rose plant in a pot, and they want to plant it if they can be perennial in our environment. Uh, will the miniature rose plant survive our winters? Uh, sort of, maybe. Depends on the variety. Yeah, I did see, and I cannot remember where, but there was a Facebook group of for container gardeners and i'm sure you could just search one up Mm -hmm. but it was just interesting but the if you want them to survive let them go dormant through october and before november hits maybe even into early november move them to your garage and just put it on shelf and you'll have to water it every three or four weeks and that's going to be the best way to get it to survive my granddad used to do this and he could get them to go Two or three years, but it just seemed like even in the ground, they are just don't have a longevity usually of the bush or tea roses. Um, I did plant one in a more protected area in a courtyard, and it did do better. But even then, their life is limited. They are. All right. Let's see. Denise is in Lehigh. Good morning, Denise. What was your question? Good morning. I have a quick question for you. We have several different kinds of tomato plants. And their leaves, for some reason, are are curling at the top of the branches. Um, it looks like it's still there's some tomatoes that are growing on there, but I'm wondering if we need to if we've got some kind of a pest we need to spray for, or what might be going on. And it, like I say, it's several different. We have cherry tomatoes, we have Roma tomatoes, and for some reason, those leaves are just curling up. The Fourth of July weekend is usually the week that we start seeing tomato questions come in. I've had several in my office over the last three or four days. But I'm going to have you look up two things. Uh, Physiological, one is physiological leaf roll, which is a response to certain varieties to heat. They roll up almost Uh like a little miniature cigar. The other one is curly top. And those, and then one other, I'll actually give you three, uh, 2,4-D damage or herbicide damage in tomatoes. And those okay. will give you the three most common causes of curling leaves. If it's physiological okay. leaf roll, nothing to worry about. But curly top okay, good. will eventually kill the tomatoes. And 2,4-D damage, if it doesn't kill them, will um, cause a reduction in yield. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I, it's not... It's not all of our tomatoes. We've got two plants that are okay, but we've got like four that are curling. So it's just very strange. We've never yeah. had this problem before in if, our garden. Are the leaves still dark green or are they a lighter green? They're still dark green. They're still dark Hopefully green. Hopefully it's just physiological leaf roll then. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that that's what the deal is. All right. Hey, thank you so much for your help. Thanks, Denise, for your call this morning. Uh, next listener wanted to just to follow up on the humate discussion we had earlier. They wanted to know, can it be applied during the heat? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's no different than putting some compost, you know, an inch of compost down or mulch down on top of the soil in your flower beds. It can be put down and it won't cause any harm. 
All right. Scott is on the line in Sandy. Good morning, Scott. What was your question? Good morning. Last week, I uh, caught the tail end of a conversation and heard the theme music for Tordon. And I was wondering if you could recap that for me, because I happen to have a court, and I've been instructed to sort of paint the ends of some vines I do not want to return after I cut them. If you look at the label, it will say right on the label, not for residential use. So doing so in a residential yard already breaks EPA regulations, but that Tordon can stay in the soil for up to two years, and any desirable plants adjacent to what you're trying to kill, broadleaf plants, will be dam- could be damaged or could be killed by putting that Tordon into your yard. It was kind of a okay. warning discussion. Warning. <laughs> All right. So if yeah, it's unopened and you purchased it this year, I would maybe return it and point that out because it is legal to sell because it's not restricted use, but the label forbids use in residential areas for that reason. Okay. Yeah. All right. That was just some, I had uh, someone come in and remove some unwanted vines and, uh, some trees and it's like no no i'm you need to paint this if you want yeah and so it's usually somebody that i'm not going to criticize or i guess disparage people but if i have professional green industry people recommending that i know that they probably haven't had quite the education in the use of Tordon and maybe other herbicides that they need to. I would like to come them to come sit in my office at our diagnostic clinic and explain to people that applied Tordon why the plants are dying in their yard. And okay. just looking at it from my end. And so, you know, this is something that is a gray area for UDAF because the homeowner did the misapplication, not the retailer. And so it's just one of those things that we bring up regularly because it is a problem. And so I would use concentrated Roundup to dab on those tips when you cut them. And Roundup does not bleed into the soil. And if it does, it's made inert by the soil. So it's far safer safer than Tordon. Okay. Yeah. And that, there's no way I was ever going to spray it. Yeah. I, I had one yeah. or two spots that it was like, I am loved and just little foam paintbrush just minimal yeah even at that you know if you have perennials or roots intertwined with where those vines were (laughs) those plants could be killed okay all right great scott thanks so much for your call this morning we're going to need to take a break for the top of the hour news when we come back ton we're going to be talking about grasshoppers getting a lot of calls about grasshoppers and we have an expert coming in to talk about that out front right now so i'll go let them in all right thanks so much for joining us for the greenhouse show when we come back following the top of the hour news again we'll have that expert and if you missed the plan of the week the plan of the week this morning was the peace rose and you can check out all the information on that on the ksl greenhouse facebook page A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. 
I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.